Have you guys ever been in a situation where you had the wrong kind of clothes on? Has it ever happened to you? It's awful, isn't it? I've been on kind of both extremes of it. Uh, there's been times where I've been really overdressed. Anybody ever had that experience where you're just overdressed? It's like you wear a tuxedo and everybody else is wearing jeans, right? And it's kind of embarrassing. You just want to go hide or something or just leave. Uh, but it's even worse, I think, the, on the other side when you are underdressed. Everybody else is dressed nicer than you and it's just, oh, it's terrible. And, and, and I know maybe you're even thinking, maybe I'm you know, traumatizing you again because you're thinking of, oh, I, 30 years ago, yeah, I remember that party where I was underdressed and now you're making me think about it again. Yeah, it's like flashing before our eyes. Uh, it's kind of a bad feeling when you're not and you don't have the proper clothing on. And, uh, but man, when you have the right clothes on, that can really be helpful. I know there's been times where I have maybe been walking into a situation where I, I didn't know exactly what it was going to be like, kind of nervous and afraid, and you know, there's a lot of unknowns about it. Uh, but if you're wearing clothes that are appropriate, it kind of sets you at ease a little bit, gives you a, a comfort level, a, a kind of assurance that at least that portion is going to be okay. It's an interesting relationship that we have with clothing, isn't it? Kind of a, a strange phenomenon, but it is real. Now, um, here, as we go to the next slide here, there is a saying that goes, uh, clothes make the man. Have you heard this one before? Clothes make the man. Apparently, they're important, right? What we're wearing. Uh, so we might be asking, then, well, what should we be wearing? What type of clothing is the right kind of clothing? Now, you're, you're probably already way ahead of me, and you're like, I know you're not talking about, you know, clothing like this, right, Pastor? It's got to be something different, something more important than just, you know, like, like, do you want me to be stressed out every day about what I'm going to put on or something? Well, we're going to get there. I'm going to tell you there, there is one thing that you have to make sure that you're putting on every single day, but it's not clothes. It is, it is uh, clothing that comes from our Lord. That's how you can be best dressed. Now, as we continue our uh, sermon series here today, Stories of Sinful Saints, we've arrived, as Pastor Josh said, uh, St. Patrick today. And you guys have all heard of him, and, uh, and you're so excited that you finally maybe know some things about St. Patrick. Let me tell you, probably what you think you know, you're totally wrong about. Um, you know, you're thinking, oh, yes, he drove all the snakes from Ireland, right? I visited Ireland. There was not a snake to be found. Oh, that's not true, guys. Sorry. Uh, pretty cool story, though. Um, you're thinking, well, he, you know, he ate uh, corned beef and cabbage every day. You know, he invented green beer. Uh, you know, what a guy, you know? Um, of course, we're preaching about him today. Uh, no, this, that's not the focus uh, for us today. He did. He lived an amazing life, and we're going to get into that. But you know what? St. Patrick, in his early years, he was horribly underdressed, did not have the right clothes on. And that's because, and maybe, maybe some of you knew this, maybe some of you did not, uh, he did not grow up as a believer in Jesus. So he did not have the right clothing on. Now, over time, God led him to come to faith, and he wrote this amazing, like a, like a poem 
like a prayer, really, that is turned into various kinds of songs. We, we actually uh, sang the one, it's like a, kind of an old traditional hymn. We sang it in our traditional service this morning. Um, but it's, it's all about his faith in the triune God. And he starts off, with, he says, I bind unto myself today the strong name of the Trinity. And this prayer that's turned into songs, it's sometimes referred to as the, the breastplate of St. Patrick. Breastplate. Did we just hear that from Ephesians chapter 6 a few minutes ago? Oh, the breastplate of righteousness. That comes from Jesus. So now you're starting to see eventually St. Patrick was clothed with the breastplate of the righteousness of Christ, the strong name of the Trinity. But we've got to start off before when he wasn't dressed so well. So we've got to get into uh, here the, uh, the life of St. Patrick of Ireland. And we can divide his life into three phases. And, you know, you guys are probably going to have to do some supplemental reading at some other time. I, I could go for three hours today, St. Patrick. I'm not going to, don't worry. Um, you know, cancel your plans, yeah. Um, but but there's, there's so much, so much in his life. Uh, we're going to kind of pick and choose what we talk about. But we're going to break it into three phases. And one, one way, if we can go to the, to the first slide there, um, we've got kind of a word play going on with the word where, W-H-E-R-E, -E, and the other where, uh, W-E-A-R. Because I think a good way to summarize his life is that, you know, uh, he didn't know where to, didn't know always where God was going to send him. Eventually, though, he knew what to wear. Not at the beginning, but we're going to get there. A good way to summarize this, like, I don't know where to, but I know what to wear. But phase one is I don't know where to, and I don't know what to wear. So we'll, we'll start off on the dark side, and then we will uh, get better. So he was born in about 386 AD, long time ago. Um, not as long ago as Polycarp, though, so we're getting a little more recent. But 386 AD, and uh, he was born in England, not Ireland. Is this, he, was, he was not even Irish, guys. Do we even know this guy at all, right? So he's born in England um, and uh, born into a wealthy Christian family. His grandfather was a priest. Uh, his father was a deacon in the church and was a high-ranking government official. And uh, he had his whole life in front of him. He's getting a great education, being raised up uh, to learn all about God's word and Christian teaching, except that he kind of, he had the head knowledge about Jesus, uh, but it did not touch his heart. He did not believe it. He wrote, uh, later on, he wrote this, uh, he wrote his confession uh, toward the end of his life, and reflecting back upon his childhood, he said, <coughs> excuse me, said, at that time, I had no real knowledge of God. We ignored the warnings of our priests who pleaded with us again and again to be mindful of our eternal souls. Patrick was basically an atheist. So he's, uh, he's a teenager then. And at that time, England was part of the Roman Empire. I mean, what wasn't part of the Roman Empire, right? About that time. But at the end of the fourth century, uh, Rome was weakening. 
And it was hard, hard back then to really control, um, you know, the far reaches of your empire. And so they were kind of, their grip on England was very loose. They didn't really have much, much control um, over it. And so raiders from Ireland were harassing the coast of England. And, uh, and they came to Patrick's hometown and they, they took thousands of people away, including Patrick. They took him as a slave back to Ireland, all the way around to the northwest corner, we believe, of Ireland. And there he was now uh, working with the sheep. You might think, oh, it doesn't sound so bad. Usually in the Bible, shepherds are good. That's, that's a kind of a noble thing. Not in Ireland so much. If you were uh, working with the cows, you, that was pretty prestigious, right? Cowboys, pretty cool. Um, pigs were next, kind of middle of the road, you know, eh, not too shabby. Uh, if you were with the sheep, though, lowest of the low. So he's a slave working with the sheep. Um, so he went from having like his whole life ahead of him, bright future, to now having no future at all. And it's even worse than that because not only does he not know what's going to happen, but he, he didn't have a clue what he should be wearing. Still didn't have the right clothes on. No future at all in this life or the next at this point for Patrick. Well, things can only get better, right? Why don't we go to phase two? And this is where there is a big turnaround for Patrick. Because oddly enough, it was his time as a slave in Ireland that God used to turn his entire life around. God used to call him back to himself. So this, I like to describe this phase of his life as, I still don't know where to, uh, but now I know what to wear. And it's, it's an amazing thing, you know, Patrick, you know, he'd been raised up at least receiving some Christian education. He'd been baptized. You know, he learned all the, all the prayers and the songs and the, memorized the, the Bible verses and everything. And he had a lot of time on his hands, a lot of alone time on his hands, tending to the sheep. And so he began uh, remembering what he had been taught, God's word that was hidden in his heart. And the Holy Spirit was humbling him and calling him to repent and was reminding him of God's promises. And, and he became a Christian. He, became, he had faith in Christ, his Lord and Savior. And he began praying, and he began quoting the Bible verses. He, he wrote that he was praying as often as 100 times a day. And the other local Irish that worked alongside of him sometimes, they started calling him, uh, I think kind of in a mocking way, they called him, hey, holy boy, right? You know, if you're praying and, you know, singing all these VBS songs from England and all this kind of stuff, you know, hey, holy boy, kind of makes sense. But he, he, wrote, he wrote later on about this transformational time in his life. You know, God used the time to shape and mold me into something better. He made me into what I am now, very different from what I once was someone who can care about others and work to help them. You might say that he also gave Patrick his new outfit at that time, gave him the breastplate of the righteousness of Christ, and he bound upon himself the strong name of the Trinity, reminding him of that baptismal identity as a child 
the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Patrick worked um, as a, he labored as a slave for six years in total. And then he started having some dreams, okay? He had a dream one night, and a voice said, you have fasted well, soon you will be going home. You know, seems kind of unlikely. You know, what's he gonna, <laughs> he's a slave, right? He's got no rights. Next night, he had another dream, and a voice said, behold, your ship is ready. So Patrick is like, I think God's trying to tell me something. I think I need to run away and try to get back home. So he, he did. He gathered whatever possessions he had and had to travel 200 miles from the northwest corner of Ireland all the way to the east coast uh, to try to find the right port that would take him home to England. And this, this journey of getting back from, you know, from Ireland you know, to the port and then uh, to England and then back to his hometown could be like a movie in, in, in and of itself. We're not going to go too much into it, but there's a lot of highs and lows there. But God eventually uh, rescues him, gets him on a ship, and, they, and he gets back home. And you can imagine the party that is taking place in his hometown. His parents are thinking, oh, our son who was lost is now back with us, and even doubly so, our son who was lost he did not have, you know, the right clothes on before. He was outside of the faith. Now he believes, and oh, he's back. He's restored. He's in our family, and he's in the family of God, more importantly. And they're rejoicing. Uh, Patrick is going to be with us forever, right? He's never going to leave us again. Well, let's go to phase three. This is where kind of the, the biggest uh, twist is, because now... Patrick knows where to. God gives him some clarity about where he's going to send him. Uh, and he still knows, most importantly, what to wear. So Patrick, um, you know, you can just imagine that conversation right around the dinner table where he tells his family, uh, anyway, uh, God has told me that he wants me to go back to Ireland. Remember those people that uh, took me and made me a slave? I'm supposed to go tell them about Jesus. Uh, what do you think, mom and dad? Yeah, I don't, I don't think they were very thrilled. Uh, but he had another dream, and in that dream, uh, he received a letter. And the letter was from the voice of the Irish. And, and the letter said, we beg you, holy boy, come here and walk with us. And Patrick writes that he woke up from the dream and just started weeping and kind of overcome with what God was you know, asking him to do. It was not his own idea, probably. But also overcome with just the need for the people of Ireland to hear about Jesus, for, for Patrick to, to play a role in showing them, you know, here, here's the, the outfit, here's the clothing that God has graciously given to you. I, I, I didn't have this all my life, but we all need it. And so he, you know, he tells the family, and he's got to go, but he's got to do some training. I, I, we believe about seven or eight years uh, he had to train. He had to work as a deacon there locally, kind of learn the workings of the church. Then he went to modern-day France and you know, got his uh, theology degree and all that kind of stuff. And then finally, he gets sent as a missionary to Ireland. And eventually, I'm, I'm skipping stuff here, but eventually he becomes the bishop of Ireland. He's like the head of the church there, overseeing all of the churches 
in Ireland, there were uh, a lot of little tiny pockets of Christianity. But it was a difficult mission field for a number of reasons. One of those reasons um, is that uh, it seemed like there, there was really some ill will toward Patrick for what, uh, what was perceived to be him abandoning his family and his hometown again to go to the enemies, go back to the Irish. And so Patrick uh, writes about how there was a time in his teenage years when he was, before he was enslaved, but when he was still back at home, that he committed a really bad sin. We don't know what it was, uh, but he confided in one of his friends and he confessed the sin. And uh, then once he got back to Ireland, this friend now has like, is communicating with peace, telling everybody about this sin, trying to undermine his ministry in Ireland. It's really a shame, and, and I think maybe it kind of resonates with some of us where we think, oh man, I, I don't like to think about this particular episode from my past, but I know that it's, it's been dead and gone and forgiven, and now, oh, why is it being dredged up again? You know, almost like getting like, traumatized by it again. So I think we can, we can um, resonate with what Patrick went through and trying to respond to this and still trying to, you know, as a, yes, sinful saint now trying to proclaim the message of Jesus. It does seem that God was able to overcome this because nothing is impossible with God, right? But, but an obstacle for Patrick. Other obstacles were um, that Ireland was kind of controlled by this group, uh, at least religiously speaking, by this group called the Druids. The Druids. You guys have heard of them before? It was either them or the aliens that built Stonehenge, I believe. Um, you can check that out later online. I'm sure you'll find all sorts of interesting things. Uh, but they were, they were kind of like his main rivals. They were like shamans or witch doctors. And, and they, um, you know, if you wanted to ratify a treaty or a contract or something, you had to go through them. They had to come and kind of observe it and approve it. Um, and then if you wanted... Uh, some, you know, if you wanted them to tell you the future or read your fortune or something, you had to, to go to them and, and you had to make a sacrifice. Um, sometimes it was a human sacrifice in order to, to get that service from them. They believed in reincarnation. They worshiped like, you know, um, you know there were thousands of gods. You know, everything in nature was a god. Uh, a little bit different than Christianity, right? Sounds a little bit different. So now Patrick comes in uh, there's, there's just the one God, and uh, yeah, there, there was a sacrifice, you know, uh, Jesus. Uh, there's a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, so, so there, a lot of conflict between Christians and the Druids in Ireland. But Patrick was very bold in proclaiming the one true faith in the triune God and sharing with everyone that you can be saved by receiving that righteousness of Christ and by binding unto yourself the strong name of the Trinity. That's what Patrick was clothed with, with and God blessed his ministry there and blessed for years to come. In fact, just a few centuries later, Ireland was a nation that was sending out its own missionaries to the rest of the world, a legacy of St. Patrick. Now, this story is, is powerful, it's amazing, and again, I really would encourage you to, to look up some other things about Patrick. 
But I also want you, you know, if you take something away from today, I want you to think about this summary of his life, but I want you to adopt it as a summary of your own life as a Christian too. This, I don't know where to, you know, don't always know in this life at least where in the world God is leading me next. Now, it might be like, you know, he's going to take you somewhere else, or it might just be from day to day, like, I don't know what's going to happen. But I want you to also remember, just like Patrick did, that we know what to wear. We know in our baptism that our identity is as a child of God. And we know that in baptism, as we've been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we have been united with Christ in all things. We have been crucified with him. Our sins are now dead and gone. Christ has taken our sinful rags that were no proper clothing at all. He's taken those away from us and he's replaced them with his own righteousness. And so we wear that now. And as baptized children of God, we can wake up every single day and we don't even have to worry about like, huh, what am I gonna wear today? Because the most important thing that you can put on every single day is the strong name of the Trinity. And you can speak that invocation over yourself in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Have you guys ever made the sign of the cross before? I know when I was a kid, I was told, no, we don't do that. That's a Catholic thing. <laughs> I've learned since then that it's, it's just a Christian thing. And it's a beautiful reminder. Something, it's, it, you know, it's, it's nice to kind of pair something that we know uh, with like some type of a physical action to drive it home even more. And it's a beautiful thing. I know um, over the years, I've, uh, we're, even, we're teaching our kids at home right now to make the sign of the cross. They're, they're learning slowly but surely. God knows what they're trying to do, I think. But if you, if you haven't done it, I mean, I know, I know it's, it's kind of like, like an old, you know, traditional thing. Uh, try it sometime. I mean, it, it is a beautiful thing to just, at the start of the day. Remember, I don't, I don't know where to today, but I know what I'm wearing. That's the strong name of the Trinity. And may that be just a, a guiding summary for what your life is going to be like. Because we don't, we don't always know where we're going. But it makes all the difference to know what to wear, what Jesus has clothed us with. In his name, amen. Lord God, we thank you for the life, the confession of St. Patrick of Ireland. We thank you for the encouragement that comes from these sinful saints who have gone before us and we know that we're, we're sinful saints too. By your grace, you have made us your saints by clothing us with your very own name. Help us to put that on every single day so that we can walk boldly and confidently wherever you lead us. In Jesus' name.